Today, it's appropriate for me to have this chapter uh, to speak on Isaiah 55, and we're going to be looking at God's great banquet of salvation. Father, bless our time in the word. Jesus, be glorified. In your name we pray. Amen. God's great banquet of salvation in Isaiah 55. And, you know, many people get excited to get a an invitation. Now, sometimes you're invited to a banquet or a graduation or a wedding or other things, and sometimes maybe you don't like invitations, but most of the time you're invited, RSVP and all of the rest of it. And I'm glad at the age of 14, God had given me an invitation. A man moved into our neighborhood, Stan Farmer, and he was eager to win the loss. He was a missionary of sorts as well as he was selling. He was a, selling for his company in this area. He was ahead of this, this northeast area. And when he came and asked me to go to church one night at the age of 14, he was going to an evening service. I quickly said yes to things that were going on at my house and my parents and so forth were not very healthy for me to be around. And so I said yes. And he, that night, poured out the salvation invitation. He said, God has a gift of eternal life for you, and you can't earn it, and you can't buy it, and you can't do anything but receive it. And he put a quarter in his hand, and he said, if that was a gift for me to you, when is it yours? And I, and I sat there for a while. I, I, I said, well, I don't know. It's mine. No, he said, it's not. It's in my hand. I said, when I reach out and I receive and I take in, that's what he said. You've got to take it. And I was so thankful that night when I got on the floor in his kitchen at the age of 14, I said to Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I want you to come into my heart and be my Savior and Lord. He had talked to me about the gospel. And from that day, many years ago, uh, in 1969, I have served the Lord. I have loved the Lord. I have been corrected by the Lord. I have been redirected by the Lord in whatever way he decides to do. And I'm thankful for that invitation that was given to me to come to Jesus, just to simply come. And that's what this passage is. It's the great invitation. And in the book of Isaiah, the Holy Spirit is pictured as water. I will pour water on this thirsty land. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring. They shall spring up and they will say, I am the Lord's. And when you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You will never be the same. Now, maybe there's somebody in this room that says, you know, I want to receive that invitation. But the great invitation, I'm not sure if it's, yeah, he's coming up. First point out of three, the great invitation. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in the rich food. Invitation goes out. Come, everyone who drinks. Now, some have thought that this was a water, you know, it's, it's just for the water, and it was that they had vendors that sold water back in the days. Well, we're kind of like that, too. We buy water. When I was growing up, we had this well that never stopped. It was out in the hollow, Cremens Hollow. And if you had said to me back then, when I was young, that go buy water, you know, I'd say, really? 
<laughs> Why would you buy water, you know, a dollar, two dollars, three dollars for a bottle of water? It's out in the well, just go drink it, you know. But they had water vendors. That the, the Holy Land is a place that if you're on the Jordan River or if you're by the Sea of Galilee, you're in pretty good shape. But if you're anywhere else, you either have a dug well or you have some other kind of well, but you also had people that capitalized on that and they had water. When Israel came up through the wilderness, many of the nations said, you know, you can drink some of our water, but you have to pay for it. And Moses often said, we'll pay for the water. And then some said, well, we're not giving you any anyway. So water is a, a, a pretty, and, and the Lord pictures water as the Holy Spirit. And as we take in the Spirit of God by faith in Christ, there is refreshment. Uh, and God's call to salvation it's totally free. He said that there's about seven or eight times just in this passage. He says, come, the invitation is out. But you have to realize something. Pastor Lou preached a few weeks ago on Isaiah 53. The fact that our precious Savior was crushed for our iniquity. He was pierced for our transgressions. And the chastisement that brought us peace was laid on him. In the iniquity of us all, like a lamb led to the slaughter, and Christ paid the price of your salvation and mine. If we're going to be in heaven and our sins against the great God of this universe are taken care of and washed clean, sponged as it was from his record, we need a Savior. And that's what Jesus did. Isaiah 53. I had a chance to share that with my Jewish neighbor this week. He loves me and I love him. He owns the building next to us. And I sat there and we talked about Isaiah 53 from his, his Jewish Bible. He wasn't against it. And I told him a bit about what it means to have a Savior who has come uh, through his line, the Jewish line. And that he gives salvation free. And Isaiah shows the great lengths, the depths he went to pay for that salvation. But when we pass over 54 and now we're into 55, God says that wonderful salvation that my son has paid for for you is now free to you. It's over and over again in this passage. It's a great invitation. Salvation is free. Most any time you hear of any religion today, it's always about what you do and what you have to do to get in good grace. And so we have salvation by works, salvation by works, salvation by works. Everybody's trying to do good, be good, and whatever. And we realize, as we sit here and you know Jesus Christ, you know that's totally inadequate, totally wrong, and that you need Christ. And salvation is free, purchased by the blood of the Lamb. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that's not of your own, Paul said. It's not a result of works, so that no one may boast that lesson was driven home to me at the age of 14, and I realized I just had to receive Christ. And I did. Totally free. He says it's without cost. And praise the Lord for that. He says, come and buy. Come to the waters. If you don't have money, come buy and eat. Buy wine and drink without money and without price. Why are you spending all of yourself trying to buy something that is free. And so praise the Lord for that. There are some prerequisites 
The first one is you have to be thirsty. <laughs> I've talked to many a person that has absolutely no thirst capacity for Jesus Christ. They're not interested in him. In fact, they're somewhat antagonistic. They aren't interested. There's no thirst for him. Tough to deal with that type of a person because you're praying that God will make them thirsty for him. Wow. Be thirsty. There's an old gospel song. I'm not going to sing it. Lou knows that I sometimes sing songs, but I won't sing this one. Like the woman at the well I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. Remember, she had been married five times and now was living with a man. And then I heard my Savior speaking, draw from my well that never shall run dry. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench the thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. And that's just what Jesus did for her. She realized that all the stuff they were cramming in, and our culture has more stuff to cram in at you, to try to to take that thirsting of your soul, and you need something that's deep and powerful and eternal, and try to substitute in there things that can never, ever bring eternal satisfaction to your soul. And I watch that over and over again. So people that come to us are so depleted, have tried to chase everything there is, and still have nothing. And maybe that's you today. The prerequisites, you have to be thirsty. I remember coming down Mount Eisenhower, for you mountain hikers, up in the presidential range of New Hampshire, and uh, forgot to take enough much water. It was a grueling hike, and I fell down. Once I fell down and, and tumbled for about 30 yards down a hill, and my wife said, are you okay? <laughs> well, and, and, and I said, well, fall down Freddy. It's, it's hard to hurt, fall down Freddy. And, but I got up and said, no, I'm fine, but I am as thirsty as I've ever been. It's one of the thirstiest times in my life I've ever been. When we got down to the bottom of that beautiful, there was a spring-fed creek, I jumped in. And... <laughs> Not only cooled off, but I just started taking in water. I was so thirsty, I thought I was going to die. But isn't it great if you get thirsty in your soul, and the only one that you know that can fill that thirst is Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God in Christ, and he comes to dwell in your heart. The first prerequisite is be thirsty. The second one is be broke. Two very simple things. I am thirsty, and I am broke. Now, you can work, put the word E-N on the end, I am broken, and it kind of comes down to the same thing. I'm broken. I'm broke. First of all, I don't have any, anything to satisfy the just requirements of a God who says that holiness and perfection is the only way to heaven, but Jesus does that. He can cleanse you. He can give you power, and in this passage, he can give you salvation, but you have to be broken. You can't come and say, Lord, I'm, I, I think I can handle this. I've got some of this. I, you know, I, I've, I'll pay for my own salvation. Can't. It's eternal price. The, the price that Jesus paid. But yet, over and over, the religions of the world and everybody else, they disregard that and they keep trying to do it on their own and have a salvation by works. And if somebody 
talks to you that way and you hear that, just be very, very weary because they're coming from the dark kingdom. God has already given us. Be thirsty and be broken. And I've seen some of the most broken people on earth sometimes. There's no only one place they have to turn, and that's to Jesus Christ. They are so broken in every way in their soul, and they are so thirsty for him. And they're so thirsty to get away from what they've been and who they are and what their sins have led them to be. They need Jesus. And this call, by the way, even though Israel is the instrument, they have a, we have a Jewish savior, we have a Jewish prophet speaking to us. It's a universal call. You can take this passage and realize, go out and tell people to turn their hearts to Christ. And there are other mentions of salvation in this fountain. You know, and I think of this beautiful water that God lets us have in bottles here. But the quenching of the soul by the Holy Spirit of God. There it is. We got it. We're going to leave that there. We're going to be in trouble. Um, there are other mentions of salvation that is water in the Bible. And I'll just mention a few. Behold, God is my salvation in Isaiah chapter 12. I will trust. I will not be afraid. I will trust and will not be afraid for the Lord. God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Jesus. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Beautiful picture. Coming to Jesus and he'll refresh my soul. Now, in this passage, he starts out by saying water, but it's really a banquet because it's not just water, because the water refreshes your soul. I like, what, I like what Piper says. He says, when I think of this passage, he says, I think of my backyard. <laughs> really? Yes. I think of my backyard because the grass is often brown, and you don't have time to be out there messing with it too much. Some, some people's grass, like my guy next door, is every blade has passed an inspection, and it is totally green. But mine has all these gray, all these brown spots. <laughs> if it rains a lot, sometimes that takes care of it, but the brown spots. He said, can you imagine if you just go out there and water it and sprinkle it and all that, and all of a sudden this, this brown becomes lush green. He said, that's a picture of salvation when Christ comes to your soul and it's brown inside. It's crying for refreshment from the living water. And he said, praise the Lord for that, because that's what it's about. But God also offers in this banquet, not just water, per se, but he says, come and buy milk, too. Come and get the milk. You don't have to have any money. Milk is a, it's a nutritious thing. Water is for a parched soul. And when your soul is parched, you need Christ. You can try and do other things, but you need Jesus, if that's you today. Parched and dry and brown. And secondary, milk is for nourishment. God says, it's not just the water. I'm going to give you the nourishment for a famished soul. Famished because you've crammed everything out of it in this life that we would call nutritious or food or so forth. And God says, drink the milk that I give you, and it will be in your soul. It will be what takes care of the famish. But then he also says wine is there. 
And wine in that day was that which helped to lift the disheartened, sad soul. See, God is, he, he says, I'm going to give you abundant life, Christ said. The abundant life. Salvation will be powerful. I am going to feed your soul, bread of heaven. Feed me till I want no more. And then he says, I'm also going to bring exhilaration into your life. I'm going to bring gladness instead of sadness. He does that, Jesus, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, Lord, thank you. So that, that, this bank was full. In John 7, 37, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is standing there in the, at the Feast of Tabernacles where once a day the high priest goes over to, to, the, uh, to Bethesda's pool and he gets water and a gold pitcher and they all follow him back and he pours it on the altar representing the fact that God gave Israel water in the desert on two major occasions. Wow. And then on the seventh day of the feast, he, they do it seven times. And on the seventh day of the feast, guess who stands up? He says, excuse me, anyone thirsty here? Wow. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water saying, Jesus, I know what that's about, because I came to you, I was 14, I never wanted to go back, I don't want to go back. You've satisfied the longing of my soul. I've received you. Well, I'll tell you, there were probably some people there who said, I am thirsty, and there were some Pharisees that said, okay, now we know we have to kill him. He would provide salvation. Revelation, just one more section. Jesus in his wonderful passage to John, to the thirsty I will give the spring of the water of life without payment. I will be his God and he will be my son. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. That is revelation. You can see this theme is throughout the scripture that the Holy Spirit pictured as water wants to come and quench the longing of your soul. Jesus told the woman at the well, Whoever drinks of the water I have given will never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will be in him a well of water, welling up to eternal life. Well, God's call to salvation is by grace. And in verses 3 through 5, God's call to covenant relationship with Christ. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast and sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for all peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that you did not know you shall run, shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. And here is this beautiful opportunity to be in covenant relationship with God. It's not just coming to his banquet and receiving this, this eternal life that is in the Holy Spirit of God through Christ's payment on Calvary. But now he says, come those who are trying to save yourself and be in a covenant relationship with me.
And that's the beautiful passage in front of us. He says, I'll make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Well, how's David figure into this? Excuse me, David's been dead for 250 years, Isaiah. <laughs> what do you, you know, where, where is this? He's dead. He said, well, he's with the Lord. <laughs> he may have died on this present earth. But God had made a promise to David called the Davidic Covenant. He said, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure before me forever, 2 Samuel 7, 16, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever. Your throne shall be established forever. But, but he's still gone. It's been going on 250 years. Well, this little peasant teenager... <laughs> had an angel come to her, his name was Gabriel. And he said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb, in Luke 1, 31, and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Jesus, Jesus is right here. Yes, David, but his greatest, greatest part of his covenant with God is Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. The Bible says in here that this, this prince, I will make him a witness to the peoples in verse 4, and a leader and commander for the peoples. And if you look at verse 4, you'll know quickly, as you go to Daniel 9.25, that that wonderful, that wonderful Hebrew word, which I spent a bunch of time this week, doing it's translated prince or leader is exactly what Jesus is called in, in Daniel chapter 7. He is the prince to come. One of the great premillennial books that I read a lot from Scotland Yard from that Robert Dick, Robert Dick uh, Wilson uh, he calls him the coming prince <laughs> And this passage here, Jesus is the prince, the leader, the top of the pile, and David's royal son. So he said, I want to make a covenant with you, an agreement. And that agreement we call the New Testament and the blood of Jesus Christ, based in the Davidic covenant because Jesus is produced as a promise to David. And we have these, this covenant, the Davidic covenant, and we now have the new covenant, that when I make Jesus my Lord and Savior, he has made an agreement by his own blood. We, we celebrated communion here not long ago. Thank you, Jesus. The prince, my prince, and he's coming soon. Wow. He tells you here something, and we got to quick, quick go on here. But uh, he says to us in this passage that, uh, Well, let me find it here. Just a minute. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that you did not know. You shall, shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, he has glorified you. Jesus is going to call the nations to himself. I'm sure many Jews, when they heard this, said, well, wait a minute. 
he's out. Whatever is happening here belongs to us, for our Jewish nation. The world, the goy, G-O-I in the Hebrew, goyim, we're not interested in them. This is our religion. The Bible here in this passage said, no, 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 no. This Davidic kingdom promise and this coming prince who is going to make an agreement by his own blood, it is worldwide. They're coming. I was reading Piper. I thought I was going to go to heaven this week. (laughs) And he said, it's worldwide. He said, no time in the history of our country, in the history of the world, electronically and every other way, has the world known so much about Jesus Christ. And that nations, even though we hear bad things, that people are coming to him from all over the globe. He said, I think Jesus is coming. Now, you know, he's not one of those guys that just, just says that. He just says this is automatic. But he said, the world will know of Jesus. And that's what we do. That's why we're here. This is why King's Chapel is here. To take that wonderful gospel of refreshment in the Holy Spirit and by, paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ will we'll spread around here. And people will come and say, yes, I found him whom my soul has longed for forever. I have spent so much time. I have people at the rescue mission who will sob and say, wow. I've been looking for him for so long, and I, I tried to cram everything I could at it, wealth and any, anything else, any of the other life pursuits, and they did, it did not satisfy. And I found the one who has satisfied my soul. That's Jesus. So he says, that the nations, this is not just for the Israelites, this is for you. Then this new covenant relationship with the new covenant Coupled with the Davidic covenant, it's going, to, it's going to turn this world upside down. And that's what we come here to do as King Chapel people. In your neighborhood, among your relatives, among the people you work with, among those who just you meet casually, you have that, you have that opportunity. Well, secondarily, the great impact. The great invitation, now the great impact, respond to this urgent call. Because it says, seek the Lord while he may be found, in verse 6. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Now, take, take special issue with that. Forsake his way, unrighteous man forsakes his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God and he will abundantly pardon. There's going to be an impact. And I'm going to tell you this, if there is solid relationship with Jesus Christ, if there is real relationship, we're not perfect. Christ is building into us over more and more and more a transformed life. We're not what we were. We're not totally what we're going to be, but we're not what we were, and there is an impact. Make sure your life is impactful for Jesus Christ. He says here, call upon him while he is near. God commands everywhere in Acts 17.30. God commands all men everywhere to repent. Turn from the direction they're going and turn to Christ. We know what his command is for every living creature. Praise the Lord that you, many, if not a lot of you, have made that call responsive in your life. Piper says, well, how do you call upon him? Is it real complicated? He said, no, it's to say, Lord, help me. (laughs) Lord, I need you. It's no big complication. 
If it was, it would be tough for me to sit down with some six-foot-four fella, had a wonderful man, African-American fella, and he was weeping. He said, Pastor, if you knew the nasty, perverted, stupid things I've been doing with my life, and I'm tired of it. And he was weeping, and I was weeping with him. Can God forgive me? Can, I said, you need to just call upon him, and he did. I said, just tell him, you need him. It's your turn, and you're broken. You don't, you don't bring anything in your hand other than your faith. I'm broken. I have faith. And here he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him. That's, that's an invitation again. That's part of this invitation of this passage. It's impactful. He will abundantly pardon. Not miserly, not, oh, I don't know if I have that much. <laughs> abundant pardon. Would you like to go to people who are abundant with you and generous with you and love you and you don't have to act uh, like somebody who has to beg them because they're not really wanting to do it, but so. he, he is abundantly pardoning. Oh, Lord. Everywhere, repent. He says two things that we don't have a lot of time to talk about, but you can go about and read. He says, not only that they should... Excuse me one second here. Uh, I am trying to make sure that I can get... Uh, yeah. Get my notes straggled up in here. Just a minute. Well, it's okay. <laughs> there it is. Oh, sorry about that. Respond to the Lord with his urgent call. But also realize that his thoughts and ways are definitely above ours. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, if you notice, as we were back there, when he said, seek the Lord while he may be found, he said, call upon him while he's, let the wicked man for, forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. This key's right on that. Because sometimes, I've seen people not come to Christ because they're living in their sin, and they want to second guess what God is telling them. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I understand that. But, I, you know, I've got some thoughts about my life, and I, I've got some ways that I've been doing stuff. And maybe I can compromise with God, and I'll continue doing a lot of my stuff, and, and, and I'll just come because I'm a know-it-all. You can see how wonderful my life has become, and, and I'm going to kind of modify. I'm thinking, really. And the Lord comes right out. He says, you're from the earth, and I'm from heaven, first of all. <laughs> my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your, th your thoughts. I'm thinking, Lord, you got that one right. <laughs> That's why we have the Holy Scriptures. That's why week after week after week we're seeking what he knows and what he thinks and what his direction is for our life. And we take the word of God and we say, let's live it. We're, this is not second think God and come up with your own plan. And he said to the wicked, you need to seek the Lord and, and not rely upon what you think, but what this Holy Scripture thinks. And I'm thinking, boy, you got that one. Whew. And ever I ever deviate and try to do it your way, guess what happens? Big time problems. 
and then rely upon the power of the word of God in verse 10 and 11. You know these verses because they come up in your Christian life. For as the rain and the snow come down, a little less snow, no, no. As the rain and the snow comes down from heaven and don't return there to heaven, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing in which I send it. God's word is power. It's effective and we can trust it. God says, yeah, I, I, send, I send precipitation on the earth and that, that brown grass out in the backyard becomes green. And the wells fill up and the reservoirs fill up and farmers and others can graze tremendous crops because God sends his powerful precipitation to foster blessing for his children on earth. And I said, thank you, Lord. It'll accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I give it. How many times has the word of God flown out of here? Pastor Lou preaching the word of God week after week. Others, Bible studies, classes at the city mission. Every day the gospel goes forth for 70 years without one time not happening. Thinking, thank you, Lord, for that. Because God already promised that he sends his word out like the precipitation on a mission. And praise the Lord. I was reading Piper on this a little bit. And he said, someday when we get to heaven, and I thought, well, this is a good vision. He said, when we get to heaven, God is going to say, I want to show you, like a video, I'm going to show you what my word accomplished through you. And you'll be blown away. Because you think, well, I just gave out the word. I talked about it. I preached about it. I shared it. He said, but it didn't come back without the purposes that I had prepared for it to happen. God forbid that we don't give out God's word. That is not the very thing, and that's knowing this church as I do since it started in the early 90s, I knew that that's what we wanted to do. I've given myself to the Holy Scriptures because they are able to make one wise unto salvation. And I say, Lord, thank you. <laughs> and I'm waiting to see, because I'm thinking, Lord, is it doing anything? Uh, is it really working? He said, it will work. Trust me. You start using God's word. You start believing it. You start memorizing it. You start giving it out. You start preaching it and teaching it and sharing it with neighbors. Get out of the way. The purpose of an almighty God. Oh, Lord. Because our words are all right. We can share, we can comfort, we can love and bless people. But the word of the living God, who has said, you can have salvation. You can have salvation. Because my son, Isaiah 53, was bruised, punished, crushed for you. And you come with no price in your hand other than, I'm trusting Jesus. It's a faith act. I'm thirsty, Lord. I am broken, and I'm broke when it comes to spiritual assets to buy you off, pay for anything, or anything like that. I come freely to receive 
the gift of eternal life, the free water, free milk, free, everything was free because Christ paid for it. It doesn't mean it has no value. It just means to you it's free. I thank you, Jesus, because I'm going to stand there. I know it's not me that got me up there when I stand, when those saints go marching in, and I'm in that number. It's all about Jesus, the Lamb of God, for sinners slain. And if you're here today, we have one more point. We'll get through to that. It's a smaller, just two verses. But, but the fact of the matter, if you're here today and you say, man, I've been cramming everything I can at this soul to satisfy it, and I'm still not satisfied. It's still, I, I just know that I'm empty. I am not full of the power and love of God in Christ. And I want to do that today. And before we leave, we'll, we're just going to tell you as we close in prayer shortly. There's to say, Lord, I'm thirsty. I'm broken. I need you, Jesus. Save me. You've just given the call out to freely come and receive by your Holy Spirit. This wonderful river of life that will flow out of your very soul and bring greenness to the brown grass of your life. So praise the Lord. Last point is the great celebration. Well, after, I mean, I don't know about you, but after having this information given to us, there ought to be at least a hallelujah. There ought to be at least an amen. There ought to be at least an exuberance of celebration. And that's what we have next, the great celebration. In verses 12 and 13. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. We have a lot of ovations there. You appreciate your kindness of honoring my wife and I. We give the glory to you, Lord Jesus, because that you're the only reason all that could happen. But the fact of the matter is, he's looking forward to the time when Israel joins in, and we all do, when Jesus returns. A millennial, a powerful millennial presence of Jesus Christ coming to reign and rule for an initial thousand years and then eventually for all time and eternity, our precious Savior. But at this point, there is some real salvation joy. Yeah, ever like to see a new Christian and they can't hardly, they can't even stay in their own skin. <laughs> they're coming, they're singing, they're talking about it, they're telling everybody about it, they're laughing, they're singing, they're crying. They've come to know who Jesus Christ is and he lives in their soul and they can't get over the fact that I am one of God's children. I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and I am going to be happy in him. And sometimes Christians get underneath all of this earth stuff that ought to have been given to the Lord anyway, but they, they're not so happy. Oh, Lord, give us joy that we march forth. I don't know about mountains. I guess I bet I've climbed enough mountains. I've climbed all the 35 high peaks of the Cascades. I've heard all kinds of noises up there. Uh, but did I hear singing from the trees? <laughs> and the fields clapping their hands? Kind of. Put your mind in a little bit of, uh, you know, free thinking about, hey. And some people love the sounds of nature. If you're standing by, you know, I, I stood many times by Niagara Falls. 
and you can hear the falls. <laughs> and that's all you can hear is when you're standing and you're thinking, Lord, you are so powerful. I've been on the presidential range of the Mount Washington 30 times, and I'm thinking, Lord, this is, you can't be up there without saying, God, this is awesome. Dear Lord, thank you. That's what salvation does in your life. <laughs> wow. The fields shall clap their hands. For a believer, let the joy of Christ be your joy. Rejoice in the Lord, Paul said. And again, I say rejoice because I don't think you heard me the first time. So he said, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. And this is great salvation. This is millennial truth. But it goes, there's, there's an analogy for us to follow right now. But I'm waiting for that wonderful kingdom of my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. I'm waiting for his coming. Not only, though, will we go out in a, will we go in a victory parade, because we have been set free and we are victors in Christ, but there will also be a reverse of the curse. What curse? <laughs> well, he says in the second, in verse 13, instead of the thorn shall come the cypress tree. Beautiful tree in, in, the cap, in, in the Bible. Instead of the briar shall come the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord as an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. In the millennial kingdom, if you read throughout it, you've already read a lot of it, the deserts, they bloom. Everything that is touched grows the way it did in Garden of Eden. Because in the Garden of Eden, God said, I'm going to put a curse on the earth. The sweat of your brow, you'll try to bring forth stuff. That wasn't the way it was planned. There's a lot of stuff in our earth that is destructive, whether it's disease or whether it's death or whether it's whatever it is, that wasn't God's perfect plan for us. We fell into sin through Adam and Eve and their decisions. And we sin ourselves. We are, we are born in sin. We sin. And the Bible tells us here that the curse in this wonderful kingdom coming is reversed in every way you can think of. That's what you call paradise. And I'm waiting for the reverse of the curse. Ought to be a pin on there saying, Jesus is coming to reverse the curse. He's reversed it in my life because the curse of sin and all, that is, all the havoc it's caused in me, Jesus has done the liberation that I needed. And so in this passage, he says they're going to reverse this curse. And we are going to be with the Lord. It's an everlasting sign. It shall be, it will make a name for the Lord and everybody will say, it's him, it's him, it's him, it's him, it's him, it's not us, it's him. And he's joined us in and said, it's free for you. Oh my. God's transformed people in conclusion in this world will be a story of salvation, redemption, restoration, and we will bring God's kingdom with Jesus to this earth. And the invitation to partake of the feast of salvation is here. And let's bring it out. If you're in this room and you've never partaken and said, Jesus, I'm listening, I'm seeking, I'm thirsty, I'm broken, I come to you. Fill me with the waters of salvation and the nourishment. The invitation to partake 
is here in Christ's victory over sin. Isaiah 53. You couldn't have a Isaiah 55 without Isaiah 53. The one who died for us. I close with 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore we, we, King's Chapel, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled. Yes, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, salvation's water. The Holy Spirit of God waiting for you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. There may be somebody in this room, we don't know everybody, that says, I turned from my sin. I have tried to cram everything in there that I could to satisfy this, the longing of my soul, and it didn't do it. I returned. My soul comes to thee. Lord Jesus, save me and be my Lord and Savior. Put the, put the waters of the Holy Spirit's power and love and the presence of Christ in my soul, that Christ will be in me the hope of glory. And right now, I just simply say, I'm done. I'm broken. Nothing can satisfy me but you, Lord Jesus. And I I ask you to come into my heart and life and save me. And Lord, for us, we are ambassadors. There's so many people that need to hear the call of grace. The call of grace that says, Jesus, you died for me. I have nothing to add but my faith. I'm just bringing my faith. Save me. Jesus, send us forth. Many out there that need these refreshing waters, free, the gift of God. In Christ's name we pray, amen.